right, we are live, everybody. This is the Pull Hook Golf Podcast, and welcome back, everybody. I'm Matt Cook, and tonight, once again, we've got a full show for you because we're going to be going down a complete analysis of the RSM Classic. We're going to be recapping that got the rookie of the year debate which uh, really wasn't a debate up until this past weekend and then the pga tour policy board who's going to replace rory mcelroy we're going to be talking about that shake up with the nbc golf broadcast which i know a lot of you are happy about we'll be discussing there and then the upcoming hero world challenge uh just going to Bring up a couple quick announcements around that. TGL being delayed. And then, of course, our favorite topic, Live Golf News. And uh, I keep saying ours because I was expecting, once again, Bobby Brown to be on tonight. However, I did not hear from him today, so I hope everything is okay with him and his family. Um, Because, once again, just no notice. I did have him listed as being on the show to co-host with me here tonight. Um, So that's unfortunate, but uh, you do have me. So here we go. Let's dive right in. And I, first off, want to thank our sponsor. Swanee's Golf for providing not only to myself because I got the birdie juice hat on, I've got the hoodie on tonight, but uh, Swanee's Golf for being our sponsor and make sure to utilize the promo code PullHookGolf25 at checkout for 25% off your entire order. I know they're doing Black Friday sales and everything, uh, but if you do use the promo code PullHookGolf25 at checkout, then it does go to support the podcast um, with, obviously, them sponsoring us moving forward. But uh, that being said, do want to give you guys a quick little read from Swanee's. Here we go. So name a better feeling than buying something you know you can take and wear anywhere. Money spent on quality products is money well spent. Even more so when you can rock that purchase just about anywhere, just like this hoodie. Why would you spend a fortune on clothes you'll only wear to the golf course? When you could buy gear that's just at home at a holiday party or work event, yet comfy enough it doubles as loungewear. Obviously, we... We'll all love to be playing 36 holes every weekend of the year, but just because you have to tuck in a quick nine before work doesn't mean you need to change clothes. Swanee's is your go-to from work to golf and everything in between. And as winter closes in, check out their new festive hoodies and beanies to fight off the chill. And I'll just go and I'll tell you right now, this hoodie that I've got on right now, I wore it to bed. I've wore it to bed multiple times. I've worn it on the golf course. So uh, certainly they are not wrong there. That is for sure. But let's go into the RSM Classic to begin this episode. And Ludwig Auberg. My goodness gracious. And what's crazy is I wanted to talk to Bobby a bit about Ludwig because... Bobby knew about Ludwig coming right out of PGA Tour U, heading right onto the PGA Tour towards the middle to end of the year. And man, Bobby was spot on. He's like, watch out for this kid. This kid is really something else. And sure enough, I mean, we saw his performance at the Ryder Cup, which 
At that point, I was like, wow, this is really early on to be bringing on this kid, putting him under that type of pressure. Is this kid really that good? And I mean, one of his weaknesses coming in was around short game, chipping, uh, especially or pitching of the golf ball. And sure enough, he has tightened that up quite a bit. They even said it this week during the RSM Classic that that's something that he knows he needs to improve upon. And it is something that he has really started to tighten up but what a dominant performance I mean from start to finish Ludwig Auberg was nothing but brilliant throughout the entire round I mean I've got the seaside course behind me that they played out in Sea Island Georgia if you ever get a chance those golf courses are fantastic between the plantation course to the seaside course I mean I know when I was in golf technology with full swing golf we had the seaside course on the golf simulator so I've played it numerous times on the sim um, and that being said just a fantastic layout design and it really is a challenging golf course as well but he goes out there absolutely dominates um, you did see that you know Mackenzie Hughes did try to hang in there with him um, this week but uh, he fell short because Ludwig did not give up any room whatsoever and ended up winning by four shots, 29 under par at those two golf courses, and they even had wind as well. It was absolutely insane to me. I can't believe Ludwig did that. I mean, Mackenzie Hughes, if he goes out and shoots 25 under in a tournament to where Ludwig wasn't playing, he wins by three over Duncan and Eric Cole, which we'll get into that in a bit. And then you have defending champion, um, Svensson out there who he played really well by T5 uh, Denny McCarthy T5 so you've got some really good guys and last week we did have Blake Parks on who was talking about some of his picks and everything and uh, I gotta tell you his picks were pretty spot on for the most part um, so good job there Blake I know he does quite a bit of betting when it comes to DraftKings around golf and does quite well um, so yeah pretty good stuff there my guy Fred Biondi I was telling you guys watch out for this kid as well I mean coming on to the tour late in the season um, and playing in some events uh, through sponsors exemption and so forth he shot 15 under so t23 uh, which he got another cut in um, so yeah there's some good stuff going on in the game of golf right now. And that field was definitely a bit better than we have seen in recent weeks. And then on top of that, we had the tour. I mean, this was the final event of the fall season, which, yes, I know the Hero World Challenge, but that does not count towards the rankings and standings moving in to 2024. So now the top 125 is set. Okay, and with that, uh, one of Bobby's old bags actually got in, um, which always rooting for Troy Merritt. What a great guy. I had enough conversations with Bobby about him and everything to where just a class act. And he ran into certainly the uh, oh, gosh, the yips. And with the yips, he did not perform that great this year, but uh, he snuck in at the last second. Carl Yuan is out of there. Um, but then you got some older guys as well that have played on tour for a long time. They're going to get conditional status back in that finished outside of the top 125. 
So that pretty much runs you down through the RSM Classic. I mean, not going to take you shot by shot with Ludwig. Just know that this kid is a ball striker. He did not miss when it came to hitting his driver, especially in the wind. His iron game is tight. And like I said, the only thing that was really lacking was around the greens. But, man, he has tightened that up in a very short amount of time. And I think the Ryder Cup experience that he had really did him quite well. And it led him into this pressure situation to where he just looked in full control. He never let off of the gas pedal and just kept going. I mean, that was the most impressive thing for me as a rookie on the PGA Tour. And then on top of that, you start looking at our next topic, which is around the rookie of the year on the PGA Tour. So before this event, I mean... Coming into it, yeah, there was a little bit of a debate around Ludwig Aberg and also Eric Cole, but you looked at Eric Cole's resume and you're like, okay, he's played in a lot more events. He's got more top tens. Um, he really had a better resume throughout his period. Um, however, Ludwig coming onto the scene as strong as he has was kind of right there with him. But now with this victory, which Eric Cole does not have uh, this year, Ludwig Auberg, he certainly took the lead in my book for Rookie of the Year and solidified that. I mean, shoot, what was that? His 11th event, I believe, of the year as a rookie because, once again, he was in college. PGA Tour U, which is the new system that gets you as a top collegiate player right onto the tour and playing in PGA Tour events. That obviously worked out really well for him. Remember, Ludwig also, which this doesn't count in the PGA Tours Rookie of the Year, but you also have to keep in mind, this kid won over on the DP World Tour. So that's two wins for this kid. And, I mean, all of a sudden, you pop on any of the golf media and everybody's talking about the fact that Ludwig Aubert, the only kid that's been able to do this, was Tiger Woods. And before Tiger Woods, it was Jack Nicklaus. I mean, that's pretty lofty right now, especially where Ludwig is at the moment. But uh, I will say, it is very impressive as to what Ludwig's been able to do coming right out of college. And I definitely think that... Kids nowadays are coming onto the PGA Tour and don't have that fear or, you know, need the couple of years in order to get up and going because everybody's got TrackMan technology at college or, you know, Full Swing or um, Foresight or FlightScope. I mean, all of those pieces of technology, they know their numbers. They know how to play under pressure. And that's where I think kids coming out nowadays – don't have that lag time between coming onto the tour and struggling for a while um, in order to really find their footing. But that still happens. So don't think that just because of technology that these college students are coming out and all of a sudden winning like Ludwig. But I will say for me personally, and I, I would love to hear from all of you in the comment sections and so forth, um, whether you're watching this on millions.co or on YouTube, or if afterwards uh, you put it into the chats on Instagram and so forth. But who do you have winning the rookie of the year? Do you have it as Ludwig Auburn or do you have it as Eric Cole? And that's the question that I have for all of you, because for me, I look at this as this for me is Ludwig all day long, even with the short amount of events that he had 
just look at the performance and nobody performed at that level. And remember, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about the two people that were up in the runnings was SH Kim and Eric Cole, which then Eric Cole pulled away in that. Um, and now Ludwig just came storming right through. And with that victory, I think right there, that's a no brainer for me. I don't know what the rookie of the year criteria is on the PGA tour. So, um, but in just the eyeball test, as well as looking at the results, Ludwig all day long, rookie of the year, in my opinion. Now, as we move into the next, we're going to talk about the PGA Tour Policy Board replacement for Rory McIlroy, which on this live broadcast last week, all of a sudden it came across the notifications, and I talked about it in the middle of the podcast with Blake Parks to where I'm like, hang on a second. Rory McIlroy just stepped down from the PGA Tour Policy Board. Now, for me, that was a little bit obvious in terms of why Rory McIlroy would step down for that. He's had a ton of publicity. He's been thrusted right into the forefront of the entire PGA Tour versus Live Golf. Now, in the very beginning, Justin Thomas was in that with him as well. But Justin Thomas, I don't know if his people or his parents or whoever were just like, hey, back out of that. Don't, don't continue to go down that path because you saw him pull back. He didn't continue to go down that road between Live Golf and the PGA Tour and inserting himself and his comments on a week-in and week-out basis. He did there in the very beginning, remember? Um, and so did Roy McIlroy. Those were the two that were the most vocal, that really kind of took the stance of hardcore PGA Tour or bust. And, yeah, I mean, Rory... I I think he really needs to just go back, focus on his golf game, his mental side of it, and really focus on a really strong year. So I, I wasn't super – there's definitely something going on there, but I think it's more so that Rory doesn't want to be in that spot anymore. I, I think he really wants to move beyond kind of be in the face – of the PGA tour from a political standpoint and from having to do the inner workings. And I mean, remember this kid had to, and, and I say K because he's younger than me, but I mean, he's a man now, uh, Rory McIlroy, he went through after the masters. Remember he took off a main event, lost millions of dollars because of that. He did not go to, um, Harbor town and play in the RBC heritage down there. Um, after the Masters because he needed a mental break. And then what did we come to find out weeks later was that he had found out about the PGA Tour approaching Piff and trying to create a deal. And he was told that weeks prior. So that is not surprising in and of the least, to me anyways, um, as to why he is stepping down from the PGA Tour Policy Board. And I can't imagine a better replacement for him. And this is just going to be a temporary replacement. I think it's going to be a long-term replacement overall once the PGA Tour Policy Board, once they bring on some new players and so forth into there or um, kind of solidify the same guys. But Jordan Spieth. He's going to take over for Rory McIlroy on the PGA Tour Policy Board, and I think that's a really fitting thing. Jordan Spieth has always, 
Always. And I've been around him and his team, and I will tell you this. They are very, very good at being calculated about everything that they do. And Jordan Spieth is just a very genuine, great person anyways. So I think it's a great fit. I think it's a good fit for him. I think it's a natural fit for Jordan Spieth to be a part of that. So uh, that kind of gives you a little bit of a heads up around, okay, is this going to be a good thing for Jordan or not? I think absolutely 100%. Jordan Spieth is a great fit for that policy board. Remember, the chairman of that board is still Adam Scott at this point in time. So um, not really too much drama around that, I would say. So it's a little bit more of kind of some standard news. But the other one that kind of caught people off guard in the golf community, especially in the golf media community, was NBC Golf Broadcast Team has a bit of a shakeup that took place this week where Paul Azinger's contract was not renewed. Now, all of a sudden, NBC has to move pretty quickly because they've got the coverage for the Hero World Challenge coming up in two weeks. Well, I think they dropped the ball on this one because Paul Azinger, as much as people love, hate him, I mean, people hated Johnny Miller. Now people are asking for, hey, we need to get somebody back in there that's like Johnny Miller. (laughs) So you're never going to win over the entire mass public of golf fans. And that's where Paul's Paul Azinger, I think he did a fine job. I did I is he one of my favorite broadcasters? I would put him in the mix in terms of, you know, I didn't mind hearing his insights and analysis and everything. Obviously, he was a great player on the PGA Tour and had a lot of insights and wasn't afraid. This is this is the key. He wasn't afraid to criticize players and not in a way to where he was just criticizing them to criticize them, but when it was needed, when play suffered or, you know, there wasn't anything going on that uh I wouldn't say he stirred the pot, but I would just say that he was fair in his critiques of players. And if he had criticism, that it was a fair critique or criticism of a player. And then he also complimented a lot of players, too. And he didn't play favorites, which, again, Johnny Miller, he was the one that just destroyed people. which I personally enjoyed. I don't know about all of you. Now, as a player, I knew that there were a lot of players that griped over Johnny Miller, and that was a lot of the push around getting the fan base to also push back against Johnny. But I think they dropped the ball here with the replacement because they did announce that Kurt Byram is going to be replacing Paul Azinger. I really felt like that could have been a splash. In golf broadcast, they could have brought it up to modern times. And what I mean by that is, no, I am not talking about Paige Sporanic, okay? I saw that entire thing. I'm like, yeah, that, that's a joke. Um, but I do look at somebody like Colt Nost, who is already doing, um, you know, on-course analysis. He does a great job in the booth. He has the subpar podcast, I really thought, okay, if you're going to go after somebody, go after Cole Nost, and he's good, and he's got one-liners, and the broadcast teams get along with him. 
I don't know. I really thought Colt Nose was going to be the obvious selection there um, and was going to be the splash that they needed in order to bring it up once again, bring up the NBC golf broadcast or broadcast across the port, which granted, I'm not never going to say anything against Jim Nance because he is the legend in the game when it comes to golf broadcasts, and there's nobody I'd rather listen to than Jim Nance. But that being said, Colt Nost for the NBC golf broadcast, I would have loved to see him get that gig and really move more into the booth. The other one that I would have liked to see um, is Bones McKay. I know he's on Justin Thomas's bag, and who knows if he wanted to leave that or not, but Bones has been in the booth. He's done a great job in the booth, provides a lot of insights. And then outside of him, gosh, I forget the gentleman's name who is a, a former caddy as well. Dang it, Bobby, why aren't you here? You would have known exactly who I'm talking about. But there is a caddy that does a broadcast sometimes and just is phenomenal with talking about player mindset and how he would go about it. And I think having a caddy in the booth really pays dividends when it comes to just getting the full insights from somebody who is there. Now, as a player... You're going through how you thought about it. Like Azinger would always judge people based off of what he would think. I do the same thing, but that's what's so nice about having somebody like a Bobby Brown or a Bones McKay because they really balance it out to where it's like, hang on a second. As the caddy, and I'm looking from the outside in, and I'm seeing how the player's playing, and I'm looking at the lies, I'm looking at the strategy, and that's the thing that we often forget is that this caddy-player relationship, it is really much a team, and for that relationship, you really want to hear from the caddy what their insights and analysis is, and sometimes they provide better analysis than the old players do. Because once again, they have been with multiple players. As a player, you only have known your own game. So I do like it when I see the caddies in the booth. But once again, Colt Nost. And then, I mean, the last one that I'm like, hang on a second. What about somebody from the Pull Hook Golf Podcast? How about somebody that shoots it straight? But at the same time, we're not afraid to throw out there some jabs either. And it doesn't matter if you're one of the nicest guys like Scotty Scheffler or an absolute terror like some of the other people that we talk about on this podcast. But that being said, we are always going to be fair with our analysis. And that's where I was like, man, we should have thrown our name in the hat. And who knows if they even know we exist. But guess what? Pole Hook Golf, we are coming, okay? Because the audience has been phenomenal. And our growth continues to grow and grow and grow organically because you're not going to see the big, huge, uh, you know, we don't have the big, huge NBC Golf Channel or Barstool Sports pushing us. But the one thing that you will see is with your support, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to keep moving up there and we're going to creep up there to where we're going to make some noise when all of a sudden the mass golf market knows who we are and are listening to this podcast because we're going to continue with some 
awesome interviews as well. I've got some lined up in the weeks to come, so um, certainly you don't have to listen to just me when it gets onto this podcast. But uh, then again, you know, every once in a while, I just got to rock out with uh, the solo job here. And, you know, every once in a while, you got to sip on a little whiskey in the weeks past. You know, it's been a little light on on that. So I'm going to take a quick moment just to take a sip here. That's delicious. Good old Bushwood Spirits. I know I haven't talked about them recently on the podcast, but you know you can still use Pull Hook um, for their promo code and get ten percent off your holiday bottles of Bushwood Spirits. Now, as we continue through this and with the broadcast side, kind of wrapping that up because they had to move very quickly, and who knows. Kerb Byram could just be a temporary re- replacement. We don't know at this point. Okay. So they haven't come out with a full on a full announcement around it um, in terms of, hey, this is our guy moving forward into 2024. But you never know. Now, Hero World Challenge. The big news. And if you're on social media, you probably already know this. Tiger has entered. So Tiger is coming back, and this is going to be our great opportunity. And we'll do a deeper analysis on this next week as we get closer to the Hero World Challenge. And I'm sure, I mean, I've already seen a few clips of him working at the range and so forth and started to really look at the golf swing, look at how he's moving, look how that right foot slash ankle is doing. And granted, that guy has so much freaking talent in his pinky Uh, He can compete, but I'm very interested to see how he's going to do walking for four whole days um, on that foot and ankle. Um, Now, everybody, including the doctors, are saying that, hey, this should be a better situation for him. He shouldn't be in nearly as much pain, um, and this could be the solution. So fingers crossed, folks. Tiger Woods is back at the Hero World Challenge coming up in two weeks. Really looking forward to that. Granted, that is his tournament. Um, It is not a full-on part of the FedEx Cup. So uh, that being said, with the Hero World Challenge, you're going to see some of the top players that are out there in the Bahamas, in Albany, uh, of the Bahamas and just a great spot to be at this time of year. And man, I would miss the Bahamas. I might need to take a trip down to the Bahamas and get back to that. Um, I love the Bahamas, especially this time of year. So yeah, you got the hero world challenge tiger coming back. Really the big question there though, is what can we expect in 2024? So it's not just about the hero world challenge. Obviously it's a great sign. As a Tiger fan, I am certainly excited to see him back playing. But what does this mean for 2024? And I think that's the big question moving forward. Is he going to play in more tournaments? Is it only going to be the majors? Is he going to be able to finish the majors? Because remember, last time we saw him, he couldn't finish a major and had to withdraw. So, ah. Here's hoping. Here's hoping 2024 is a good year for Tiger Woods and we get to see him really back in action. Now, granted, it's going to be that truncated schedule. He's not going to play in a ton of regular events. I mean, he's got Charlie that he's been walking uh, with and caddying for him in some of the junior events. 
So fingers crossed that this whole foot surgery has solved the tiger dilemma for him to be able to finish four days of walking at a golf tournament. Now to some somber news, because everybody knows if you've been listening to this podcast, I was very high, not high in terms of like getting high, but uh, I've been very high on the TGL. And unfortunately, now this whole thing seems super, super suspicious. Let me take another drink before I get into any conspiracy theory whatsoever. But we posted ab- about it on the our Instagram account, which is at Pole Hook Golf, and the roof collapsed. So the dome and stadium that they were building for this entire league was supported by air okay so it was almost like a dome and with that the power went out and then the backup didn't work so they had a complete collapse of the roof now does that sound fishy at all and at first i'm like damn that just really sucks you know, and then, okay, they're going to be delayed. They're going to push it back a couple of weeks because, yeah, they're not going to be able to be ready by January with it. No. And from our sources, apparently it really came down to ESPN because TGL wanted to push it back a couple of weeks. ESPN was like, guys, you are filling in a time slot for us to where it's just dead space. We can't move this. So sure enough, they're like, well, what are our options? 2025. That's when all the owners got together of the TGL. Because remember, this isn't just a, like, it's not like live golf to where the players are just, there's no owner of those teams. It's just live golf. So the owners had to get involved. LAGC, Boston Common, Atlanta Drive, I'm sure New York. But for me, the question really was, and granted, like everybody supported that, right? At least we saw it from LAGC, Atlanta Drive, Boston Common Golf. They all came out on their Instagram accounts and everything and posted about the fact that they're in full support of this and that they're committed to the league and everything along those lines for 2025. But were they ready? And that's a thing in technology. Like, you can rush stuff. And I noticed in the videos and everything, they're not using the technology, the tried-and-true technology, for this entire setup. Okay, They're using the launch monitor that they created full swing is. And the question that I have is, were they ready to fully go? Because remember, I used to be the VP of sales and marketing of full swing golf. I know how that team operates and everything. And so I sat there and I'm looking at some of the pictures from their test facility and whatnot. And I was a little bit concerned after seeing all of that. Now, on top of that, I've been talking about it in the weeks leading up to this whole entire thing that the teams and how they're going about signings and everything and the fact that we haven't even heard. Like, we have 
two teams that are fully signed. We have one team that has two players, and then every other team has none. So, and then we haven't even heard of, like, a team name for the New York team or the San Francisco team. It really started to feel like, man, this was getting down to crunch time. Is this really going to, is this really going to happen? And it just felt like there was a lot of puzzle pieces that still needed to be put into place in order for it to be a smooth delivery and a great product to the audience because there were plenty of skeptics. I mean, as soon as this got delayed as well, you saw all the haters come out on Twitter and you saw all the haters come out on Instagram and you saw all the comments just getting lit up across the board with this whole thing. You had the supporters like us. You had supporters in there as well. But certainly a lot of haters all of a sudden started coming out of the woodworks and started absolutely just jumping on and really kicking a man while he's down. And that was interesting to me because I knew there was going to be the people. It's the same people that I've heard and in just the golf industry in general, oh, golf simulators, all oh, launch monitors, you know, there's haters. There's haters against technology, and that's okay. Hey, it's a, fr- it's a free world. You can have your own opinion on stuff. But all of a sudden, in order to win those type of people over and the people that were, you know, concerned about the structure of it in terms of the how the matches were going to go, what it was going to be like. And I've talked about it for two weeks straight around, you know, the one thing you don't need that could absolutely destroy this entire plan is having somebody who all of a sudden on air gets pissed off at a shot and goes, ah, oh, that wouldn't have happened outside. This thing's not accurate. That would have destroyed the league. So, and they had some players that were out there testing. So you had guys like Max Homie, you had guys like uh, Cam Young that were out there that were hitting shots, and they were trying to do it with real grass, kind of like an indoor baseball arena. But they would bring in these big, um, kind of almost look like hitting mats, but they were of real turf. And uh, of real grass. And then you had bunkers, a real bunker in there and everything. So there was a lot to be figured out. There was a lot of moving parts. And it just seemed like everything was super rushed. So I actually think, you know, after the sadness, I'll say, of hearing the news and all of a sudden going, oh, we have to wait until 2025. Then it started to sink in. This might actually be a good thing. And one of my questions was, are they going to survive? Like, is this going to actually launch in 2025? Are they going to have the support of the owners? And that was what was pretty cool is that the owners got right behind it. And as soon as TGL made their posts on social media and their statement, the teams followed suit. We still haven't heard from the New York team, like I said, or the San Francisco team. Maybe I'm missing it, but I have not seen anything from those. In addition, um, with Tiger's team, Jupiter, 
Uh, we have not seen anything there either. Obviously, Tiger commented on it. Rory commented on it. So I get that. But, like, just that last team of Tiger's team just got announced not that long ago. That was only a couple weeks ago that it was, was announced that he's got the final team in Jupiter, Florida. So I don't think it was ready for prime time. And that's where the conspiracy theory starts to come in because it's like, hang on, all right, if this wasn't ready, and that arena was $50 million in order to build is the number that I've been told. How does the backup generator or the backup system not operate? I understand the main one failing, maybe some insurance dollars going. And then, by the way, the other thing that really bodes well for the survival of this league moving into 2025 is SoFi. SoFi being behind it with their sponsorship and everything, and the arena was going to be SoFi, and their support coming out and supporting everything, that was big as well. So I am confident that this league is going to go on and that we're going to see it in 2025. And hopefully we see a really, really good product because that team, if you give the full swing team enough time technology wise in order to get everything into place and be able to do the proper testing, it's just like anything because that launch monitor, they needed enough swings. They needed enough data, enough shots that's what made TrackMan so good in the beginning of all of this, where TrackMan became kind of the standard for launch monitors, was because they had so much shot data that got collected that their algorithms could start to all of a sudden figure out, okay, even if there is a misread of a golf shot, we have enough parameters here and enough data in order to make sure that, no, that this is the shot that just took place, not this. And that's where full swing with the launch monitor, it came out not that long ago, folks. Now all of a sudden you're going to put three of those together as the main system that is supposed to be perfect for primetime TV. And that's where I think this is going to do full swing really, really well. Um, and granted, it's going to do their launch monitor really, really well too, because that's going to be on TV. You're going to be able to see that they're using the full swing um, launch monitors. And again, it looked like they had three um, behind the player to be able to get enough radar data um, from wherever they were hitting from. So it's really cool. And then the virtual green, I don't know if any of you have seen that, but that was also going to be, that's the one thing that I know is ready for prime time was the virtual green. And I believe they threw it out there that it's 80,000 pounds was going to be the weight of that putting green, which is insane. But that was going to be, that was the thing that I was looking forward to. I'm like, oh, snap, we're actually going to see the virtual green undulate based off of the type of putt that somebody was going to have in the virtual world, but in the real world. And that was the dream that we always had in golf technology was being able to hit your full shots into a simulator and then turn around and play real golf for the short game. And again, I'm looking forward to that in 2025. And I am a huge proponent and a huge fan of what they're doing because, folks, it is not easy from a technology standpoint to be able to pull off what they are going to pull off. 
And that's once again why 2025, this might have been the blessing in disguise. Somebody really, really smart might have pulled the plug on both that power and the backup source because I don't think that they were ready for prime time, at least not yet. So hopefully 2025, by the time it comes around, man, we are going to have a great product and it's going to be really, really exciting. I also kind of hope that they rethink this structure a little bit. Unless they just know that this alternate shot is going to be amazing and incredible, I'd love to see um, some other format there. So that being said, let's get into one of our favorite topics on this show. I know our audience loves it. The live lovers absolutely hate it, which I got to give a shout out. There is one which we know who it is, and I'm just going to say that they are related to somebody in live golf. And... We were we worked um, with in order to find out who this person was. But every single one of our episodes, I got to give them credit. So this is a little bit shout out to the hater, and I'm not gonna I'm not going to bust out their name as of yet. It'll come down the road. But that being said, they are related to a live golf player slash personnel. So. there is somebody who on every single one of the pull hook golf videos dislikes. There's one person. There is one person on almost every single one of them. So finally I had to go in and find out who it was and through some investigation and digging and so forth. But man, they, they really don't miss a beat. Every single episode, they go in and they make sure that they hit that dislike button. And I got to give them credit. That's a hell of a job because I appreciate you paying attention, watching the episodes and uh, making sure we're not talking too much smack on Live Golf. But uh, that being said, you know, there was a player who recently was re-signed. Scott Vincent, let's give it up for Scott Vincent of the Ironheads, everybody. Scott Vincent, that guy deserved to be re-signed by the Ironheads. Um, I know you also probably thought I was about to talk about somebody else. Pat Perez, way to go, buddy. You you got yourself a new deal with the four aces. I think part of that deal is that you have to wash Dustin Johnson's boat and also work as a concierge um, service member, if I uh, have seen the contract correctly. I'm just kidding, folks. I have not seen the contract, but, uh, you know, Pat Perez, I'm actually, that's a good thing for Pat to uh, get that new deal for the four aces. It has not been disclosed yet how much that contract is worth. I will make sure that I continue to work my sources there to see if we can get a number around that. But uh, so far, Scott Vincent going back to the Iron Hedge. You got Pat Perez going back to the four aces. And then um, Scott Burmester, or not Scott. Is it Scott? Ah, I can't think. Uh, But Burmester, let's see here. Hang on. I don't want to mess this up um, with Burmester. I feel bad because he is... Let's see. Resign live golfers. Let's do a quick search here real fast. 
Um, who has resigned? Oh, it looks like resigns, but no, let's see. Oh, no. This is not the easiest news in order to get. I saw it on freaking Instagram. But Burmester, um, he has signed. Oh, gee whiz. This is not good, Burmester. Is he back with the stairs? Oh, gosh. I apologize, folks. I will make sure. He was the one that I saw before coming on air, and I can't remember the team that he just signed with. Oh, I'm so disappointed right now. And uh, it's fine to be disappointed with me at the moment because I forget who the heck he just signed with. Um, But he has also signed. So we've got that. And then... We've got a little, a little, a little, a little, a little Brooks Kepka drama, which I love on Twitter or X. All the live golf, like the live golf insider and live golf this, the real live lovers who are just delusional. They're part of QAnon, I believe. So, um, or yeah, I don't even know how to say that name. Um, but they're a part of that for sure, because they've got conspiracy theories through the yin yang. They're saying that, uh, the live golf schedule has been out for some time and that the media is being trolled by Brooks Kepka and that couldn't be further from the truth. So I reached out to some sources and absolutely not. They have the majority of it, um, to where they believe that, but they're still working on specific dates. So, Brooks has taken it upon himself because he has not been the most patient on waiting for this to come out. And this is one of the things I love about Brooks Kapka because Brooks Kapka, he does not give a shit who he offends, who he pisses off. And I feel like he's pretty fair in a lot of the stuff that he says and does. So Kudos to Brooks Kepke. He might be our Johnny Miller later on in life. He might go into the broadcast booth. That, that would be pretty sweet to see Brooks Kepka in the booth just talking smack about people because he certainly does that. Um, I don't know if it really helped the United States Ryder Cup team this year, but it certainly is something that he does and I can appreciate because you shouldn't play favorites. And he certainly isn't because he went after uh, Live Golf in the D in uh, all the Instagram comments and Twitter comments about the schedule. When is he going to get it? It would be nice if he could get a DM with the schedule. So he's pushing big time back against Live Golf to get that schedule back. And I have to imagine some of it might even have to do with the entire PGA Tour PIF framework agreement that needs to be done at the end of the year so really more to come there but as his impatience kind of kicks up it's just funny to see the live lovers really getting after it on social media (laughs) It, it cracks me up and that's it. I mean, for Live Golf, that's what we got right now. It's the off season for Live Golf. You got Dustin Johnson. Oh, by the way, Dustin Johnson just absolutely killing it out there fishing. Big old boat. Just living the dream, man. How many guys would love to have freaking Dustin Johnson's life right now? He's got so much freaking money 
And then on top of that, he's got his kids out there fishing. He's catching these big exotic fishes. Uh, kudos to you, man. That is sweet to see. So uh, congratulations. And that is Live Golf. And that's the updates that we have there. Next week, I will make sure to make sure that uh, we get the proper uh, Burmester, um, Burgermeister, as Bobby likes to call him, um, and have all that information for that. But that wraps up our episode tonight. And I just want to say to everybody, in this holiday time of Thanksgiving, I want to wish everybody out there and our audience a happy Thanksgiving. I also want to let you know that I am really grateful for our audience and for everybody that listens to this podcast. I am really grateful for that um, and help us continue to build because this is something that we're going to be doing for a really, really long time. And then I'm also grateful for our sponsors especially swannies.co swannies golf go to swannies.co to get yourself 25 percent off using promo code pullhookgolf25 i know they got some great black friday sales that are going to take place so make sure to get over to swannies.co use pullhookgolf25 at checkout for your promo code so that uh you know you continue to support the podcast but until next time everybody i hope everybody out there has a happy Thanksgiving, and I am signing off.